hope you guys are having a nice week. It snowed on Monday and not Wednesday, which was an answer to prayer, wasn't it? Um, We're continuing in our series, Culture Wars and Christian Ethics, looking at what the Bible has to say about race, gender, sexuality, politics, and much, much more. Tonight's some of the more. Um, One thing that we've been talking a lot about is um, isms. Right, Marxism or racism, uh, modernism. Those isms are a set of ideas. Okay. If I talk about modernism, I'm going to talk about the ideas behind it that are being um, emanated from it, supporting it. If I talk not about modernism but modernity, I'm talking about all the things that we find in the modern world: your watch, your car whatever it might be, these are elements of culture that oftentimes influence how we think, how we live, they influence the church, believers, and oftentimes we're unaware because we think, well, that's just a thing. (laughs) It's not an ism. It's not a set of ideas. There's not even a thinker involved. It's just a thing. And so tonight, what I want us to talk about and think about is... This. That's Pastor Donnie calling me. Not now, Donnie. Um, I want us to talk about this thing right here and all the other things that are attached to it. I'm not smart enough to talk about it, however. So I've asked a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who every time he and I have lunch together or coffee, he, he throws out some of the stuff. And I'm just like, no way. That's not, that can't be true. Um, and, and I'm always like, okay, explain to me like I'm a 10-year-old. And then he explains it like I'm a 10-year-old. And I go, explain to me like I'm a 5-year-old. Because <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. So here, here's what we're going to do this evening. I've, I'm going to ask my friend Jeff to come in just a second. He's going to talk about this idea, as you see in your bulletin, smartphones, social media, and advertising. We're stuck with it, so at least we should understand it, and I think he's going to bring some good understanding to where we are, and at the end, after he's done, Pastor Donnie is going to be roaming around with a microphone in hand, so here's what I would love for you guys to do is, as Jeff is teaching tonight, questions are probably going to pop into your head, wait, what did you mean by that, or is an example of this, or have you ever heard of that, write those down, and then afterwards, we're just going to take a little bit of time with the mic and do Q&A, and Donnie will run to you as fast as he can, Okay. Let me, I, I just want to introduce him. Let me read just a little bit of Jeff's bio. Jeff, Jeff Grobaski is the founder and CEO of Epic River. He draws on more than 25 years of experience in software development and product management in his pragmatic approach to tech innovation. Before beginning Epic River, Jeff began his career at EDS, where he worked as a systems engineer on several logistics and personal systems in the Pentagon for the Department of Defense. After leaving EDS, Jeff put his top-secret clearance and systems engineering experience to work in a tech startup world. After the sale of his first venture, Jeff moved to Colorado and founded Epic River to accelerate the design, development, and delivery of financial services software, beginning with ProSign, the first electronic signing solution for community banks and credit unions. For the past 18 years at Epic River, Jeff has provided the product vision 
and grown the business to over 1,800 customers. <clears throat> Jeff lives in Timnath, Colorado with his wife, Jess, and three children. When he's not working, he enjoys spending time golfing, fly fishing, snowboarding. No matter how busy he is, he's always more than happy to volunteer his tech ability. I can attest to that. He's helped me out a lot. To friends and family, or provide a spirited opinion on smart home implementation, electronic cars, or disconnecting from the grid. So would you please welcome my good friend, Jeff Grabowski. Thanks, man. Oh boy, it's a tough uh, introduction to live up to. Um, I, uh, when, when Pastor Brent first asked me to do this, I was like, do, do you pay attention in our coffee talks? Like, are you going to give me a microphone and stand me in front of people? Um, but when he told me the, the concept of the, the conversations going on on Wednesday night, um, well, first of all, I gave myself away. I kept saying good morning to people. I think that's the dead giveaway that I don't come here enough on Wednesday nights. Um, so, so that's busted. And, uh, but when he told me, I, I started thinking, I was like, okay, culture wars um, and Christian ethics. And what I've got to talk to you about tonight, I, I am not an expert on it. I'm sure there's people who are experts on this topic. Um, what I have is a, a deep intellectual curiosity about things. I can't help it. When I see something, I've got to know how it works. It goes all the way back to taking toys apart. Um, but now the toys are the internet, and, uh, and I like taking things apart. So thinking of, of culture wars, um, it caused me to think of actual wars, right? Where, where you know, indigenous people are so hard to, uh, to start a war against. And the reason is they, they understand the landscape, right? They, they know the place. They know the battlefield. And so like Pastor Brent said, this is the battlefield of the culture wars, right? You can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to every kid in the United States and, uh, and change their opinion. Um, that's only if you can get them to pick their head up for a second. Um, so what I really wanted to do today is, is really just give you some foundational elements for how this all works. Um, you know, we've all bought phones, gotten service, we've used apps, we're, we, we know a lot of things. Um, but I just wanted to try and pull it all together, tell you a little story about who the players are, how they work together, and then give you my experience. Because where my experience comes from is I am not on the advertising side, I am not on the smartphone side. I own a company that I've sat and received pitches from people who want us to spend money on marketing and advertising and smartphones. So that's my position in it. That's where I sit. And so I'll try and give you an idea of, of everybody else and how it, uh, it kind of works together. So um, the level set is... We're stuck with them. We, we have smartphones. There's a fun game you can play. You can stand in a line somewhere and see who the last person is to pull out their phone. It happens very fast, right? Sitting in here tonight, I, I, was, I was here 30 minutes early, and I was like, I cannot pull my phone out and look at it while I'm waiting for service to start. That would be really disingenuous to what we're about to talk about. Um, so we're, we're stuck with them, right? Um, we, we can't throw them in the trash. Um, Pastor Brent and I were talking about maybe having a burn barrel at the back today after I'm done talking. If everybody just wants to toss their phone in, can light them on fire. Um, but that's, that's not a viable option, right? So there are some viable options. Option number one, if anybody would like to leave at this point and, uh, and just pretend like you have no idea what's going on, I get it. Sometimes that's better. That's, um, none of my children are here tonight. 
they don't want to hear me talk about this anymore. Um, they would love to just bury themselves uh, in the sand and never have to have any idea of how any of this works. Um, but my preference is always on the education side. I think if you can educate yourself, you got a shot. Uh, if you can understand how people work in this space, how things operate, how the different pieces work together, you got a shot. <laughs> like I said, we still can't get rid of them. We can't smash them. We can burn them, but then we'd all have to buy phones tomorrow. Um, so, again, I just want to start with a little bit of a framework of a story. And since this isn't what I do for a living, um, it's going to require some audience participation. And Pastor Brent promised me that you guys were going to participate more than I do when the pastor says, raise your hand if, and I'm like, nope, mm -mm, not doing that. Um, so let's start with the players. So there's four main categories, and uh, I wish there was someone sitting here to catch me when I step off this platform invariably. Um, but the first one is apps, right? We got apps. We've got productivity apps. You've got social media apps. You've got games. You've got video calling. You got everything, right? You can do anything on a smartphone. You just got to load an app. So that's the first set of players are the apps. The second set of players are the ad platforms. And these are the ones that make the little ads show up inside the apps, right? So the goal of the app is to make you look at it as many times as possible for as long as possible every day. That's their goal, right? That's why they employ the people who make uh, casino games to make apps now, because they're really good at getting you to sit there and never move. And so that's the goal. So the app's goal is to keep you there the whole time. The ad platforms, their goal is while you're sitting there is to try and change your opinion about something, right? That's what advertising is. Advertising is the concept of telling you something exists and changing your opinion about it making you want something you didn't even know existed before, making you want something different than what you have today. And so that's who the ad platforms are. So far, so good? Okay, good. That's not even the audience participation part. You guys did great. Um, and so the third player are the data aggregators. And these are the folks that, that take all the data they can get. They'll buy it from everywhere, anyone, anywhere, anytime. And they'll just buy it all up and they'll just bring it all together, and they'll hold on to it because they know that someday they're going to be able to sell it to somebody. In the last bit, this is again where I fit in. Every other business on the planet fits in this thing. So everybody is in one of these four, right? And so this is where all of the commerce around your phone comes together. These are all the players. These are all the parts in the story. So now we're on to the audience participation part, the apps. Who are the apps? Who's that? Who are the apps that are collecting data? Who, who are you looking at every day? Come on, there's a lot of gray hair in here, so I know Facebook is one of them. <laughs> Come on. What a TikTok. There we go. There's the most current. Did you fly here from DC? Um, so TikTok, Google. Yep. Yep. Any others? Snapchat, Instagram. Here we go. Now we're getting rolling. FaceTime. What was that one? Wall Street Journal, that's a great example. When we were talking with uh, the pastoral team, you know, somebody said ESPN. 100%. YouTube. So this is great. So, so far, so good. Um, so that's right. That, but I wanted to give you kind of a scope, right? So all these are not made equal. 
the big guys are really, really big. So in this chart, the Wall Street Journal would be a tiny speck in the sky, right? And they're, and they're very happy with their model. But they, these are the folks that are doing it. And Meta, if you don't know, is the company that Facebook formed to hold Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Who's heard of WhatsApp? All right, all right, this is good. I got hands, I got nodding earlier, I got hands now. Um, and then, you know, Alphabet is what Google calls its parent company. So Alphabet is effectively Google. Um, and, and YouTube, right? You don't think of YouTube because it's where we go to learn how to do something. <laughs> it's, it's where my kids kill dozens of, of hours. Just tonight, after dinner, my son was bragging because the data on his phone slowed down, because he's used over 35 gig of data this month. And I was like, that is not something to be proud of. Um, it, I probably should have dragged him here by his ear, but um, he just wouldn't have paid attention. He'd been on his phone. Um, so again, that's the other thing I want to I make sure you guys know is I don't have a grand answer to this story. We're not going to get to the end and you're going to be like, oh, thank goodness. I was looking for that answer. This is just information. So I just want to provide some content, some, some things for you to understand as we go through. And so if you look at, oh, it's gone. Um, if you look at the, uh, the graphic, um, TikTok, we just learned, has about a billion daily views, a billion daily users. But it's, it doesn't even crack, crack the top five, right? So it's a huge deal because of who owns them but it's not necessarily the biggest one up there. And, and so how much do we pay for all these apps? Monthly budget for all these apps. Zero dollars here, is anybody? We don't pay for any of them, right? So the first thing you're outlined that I wanna make sure everybody understands, if you have something, if you have an app, and you're not paying for it, you are the product. The app is not being sold, the app is gathering your data, and somebody's selling you to somebody else, right? That's why it's free. I love that it's free, right? I, I remember when you had, used to have to pay for a browser, and you had to go buy a disk, and you had to put it in your computer. Well, I mean, that seems crazy now. Who would do that? And now you can get free video streaming. You can store all of your pictures from all time, and it's all free. And there's a reason. So that's the balance, right? If we want all the free stuff, somebody's making money somewhere, right? So far, so good? All right. Everybody's still awake. Um, I guess nights are probably better for me than mornings. Um, so the second part of the, of the uh, players is the ad platforms. So all these apps generate data. Right? And that's what they're doing. They're just all day, every day. What are you looking at? 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 Where are you? What are you doing? These ad platforms are the ones who take that and say, dearest company, who would you like to influence? I got you. I can tell you exactly who you want to talk to. So just like, um, just like the, ad, the apps, who are the ad platforms? I use the example with the pastoral team. Pastor Donnie has a great poof. 
It's fantastic. I can't get there. I try. I push it up. It just doesn't get up there. So if he was going to sell a new hairspray that would guarantee you at least three inches above the forehead, where would he go to advertise that? How would he get that in front of you? Amazon. Who, what was that? Akame, yeah. That's, that's a deep cut. I got, definitely got, a, got an engineer in the back corner. So there's a little tiny company out of California, um, Apele, Apele, I believe it's pronounced. Um, they're, they're a newcomer to the space. They're really working hard. They were only able to generate about $7 billion last year. Um, but I, I think they got a shot. Um, the next up is another small logistics company. Um, they did better, right? So they were, uh, you know, more in the 30 billion. Not bad, you know, for a, for a startup like them. Um, and then, you know, that, that meta group, right? The big, the big globe we saw. Those guys are making some money, right? Those guys are really, really making some money. But none of them are doing anything compared to the granddaddy of them all. And I just want to give you a little scoping. I did a little math. So if you take $279 billion in a year, that breaks down to $764 million a day. Right? That's a good day. I would not be standing up here if my company made $764 million a day. Maybe I would, but I'd be talking about something way different. Um, and so that's $31 million an hour. So in the off chance that I stick to the amount of time I was allotted tonight, Google will make $24 million before I step down off this stage. Right, it's crazy. It's so much money. It also broke down to $9,000 a second. This is fun. Um, so this is, a, this is a crazy scale, right? And so when we were talking with the pastoral team, you know, they said, well, what about regulation? There's all this stuff coming down about privacy, and they have to respect our privacy. If you truly believe that this amount of money is going to be swayed by regulation and not the other way around, you're just not paying attention. So, as we keep moving through, again, we're talking about the apps. The apps generate data, right? And the ad platforms use that data to target people to change their opinion about something, right? That's the push and pull here. And if you notice, it's a lot of the same guys. Because what they identified, Google used to just be a search engine, right? With advertisements at the top. But what they realized is, hey, if we make phones, we get that data too. If we make apps, we get that data. We don't have to share with anybody else, right? And so all these people are original generators of data now too. So the ad platforms and the apps are starting to merge. And what that means is they don't have to share, right? Facebook isn't selling their data to Google, right? They're, they're the enemy. So we still good? Apps? Okay, great. So the data aggregators, um, these are the companies that are going to buy data from wherever they can find it. They're going to try and fill the gaps. Google still has gaps. Facebook still has gaps. And so these guys are going to try and fill those gaps. So just like every time, right, give me some examples. Data aggregators. Data aggregators, guys, come on. Data axle. Guys. Axicom, 
No? No? Info group? No, guys? These are the biggest data aggregators on the planet. But no one's heard of them. Interesting, right? It works exactly like they want it to. They're the man behind the man. They've got the curtain pulled tight, and they are controlling the wizard. So these folks are getting data from sneaky places. So again, back to our concept of the burn barrel at the back. Um, if we threw our phones in the burn barrel, right, and we walked out and we're like, huzzah, we have defeated the beast, and we go across the street to King Supers, and we get our bundle of bananas. Just the other day, I bought the wrong bananas. Um, and you scan them, and it's like, do you have a King Supers coat? <laughs> of course I do. Not a monster. That's what data aggregators buy. What time I was at the grocery store? How much I bought? How much I paid? How often I go? Hmm. What are you going to do with that data? I don't know. But I'm going to stick it in a database, and I'm going to connect it by cell phone number. And then I bought a new smart speaker, and it had a little warranty card. It's like, fill out this warranty so you get, you get the warranty. And so I fill it out. Annual income. Oh, okay. Address, okay. How many people live in your house? What does this, my smart speaker care about how many people live in my house? It's just more data. So a little fun fact, uh, product warranties are actually, is actually an insurance company. If you have a warranty claim, you don't send it to Sony. You send it to an insurance company that then vets the claim, pays out the claim. If, if that's the only thing you learned tonight, that's great, because I think it's fascinating. So um, the important thing here is that these data aggregators get their data from everywhere. And they've just been doing it forever, and they're going to keep doing it. Insurance claims health insurance providers, everything. They'll, anybody who will sell it, they'll buy it. And so this is a place where a lot of regulation is happening right now. They're trying to make it so it's harder to sell people's data. Europe is way ahead of the United States on that. And some states have started putting things into place to make that harder, to sell your data from one place to another. Well, like we talked about before, the data producers and the ad platforms are starting to become the same companies. So all of that regulation is gonna start cutting some people out, but the biggest are gonna get bigger because they're not buying your data. They're not selling it. They're keeping it. All right, how are we doing? All right, so now we know who the people are, right? That fourth bucket is every company in the world. If you make something, sell something, have something, provide a service, you advertise it, right? It's everybody. So how's that work? There's a few things that are pretty tried and true. Good old advertisements, right? They pop up, we hate them, we try and close them. We see them, they, we try and fast forward through them in our shows. We get agitated when there's too many of them on a show that we're watching. Good old-fashioned billboards are making a comeback. So we're used to it, right? Ads are everywhere. And they're the same way in all the social media, phone world. It's very similar. The big difference is targeting. So now I can really 
hyper-target my ads. Isn't it fun when you look something up online and add it to your cart, decide not to get it, and then every website shows you a picture of that thing? It's really great, unless you're trying to buy an engagement ring. And then it's like, you cannot look at my computer. Every site is showing me engagement rings. So um, the, the targeting has gotten better, but the concept is still effectively the same. Sponsored content is starting to get a little sneaky, right? It looks like an article. It acts like an article. But somewhere in there it says, sponsored content. And somebody paid to have that article written and have you see it, right? We're all familiar with that. So, so that's getting a little bit on the sneaky side. Influencers are equally sneaky. So for me, I cannot stand to watch another YouTube video that my kid puts in my face. But whatever those people are wearing or holding or have in the background, I can count on my kids wanting. And I was like, <laughs> stupid kids. Man, are kids dumb. And then I was like, man, I really want. And I was like, uh-oh, where did I see that? How do I know that exists? It's the same across the board. Maybe it's in a TV show. Maybe it's, but these online influencers now are a much more direct route, straight into your pocket, straight into your eyes, and meshed with stuff that you're doing. I watch a lot of how to fix something at home videos, right? And the number of tools in those videos that I own it's pretty high count. I'm like, well, obviously that's the right tool for you know, putting a deadbolt on a garage door. I need to get that. And because it's a video I'm watching, I'm not interrogating it as much as I interrogate what my kids are watching. But we're all, we're all in, this, in this same battle together. So the last one is curated content. This was one I didn't know existed until I sat in an ad agency and, and they started telling me about it. This is where they said, well, what we can do is you tell us who you want to target, and we'll make news stories show up in their feed that support your product, and then we can have those be more and more depending on when you're going to reach out to them. And I was like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, well, what's something that supports your product? We sell electronic signing in banks, right? And so we're like, well... Do you know what would be great is if, if all banks knew that, like the cost of their file cabinets and their storage of file cabinets and the risk with paper. They're like, oh, there's tons of articles on that. We'll, have, we'll flood their feed with that right before you call. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. So now it's not sponsored content. It doesn't say on there anywhere that Epic River paid to have that show up in your feed. But we're paying to have that show up in your feed. But it's just that somebody else wrote it. So, does this all make sense? How it kind of all gets used? Good. I'm glad everyone has some smiles and stuff because this is the gross part. <laughs> um, this is the part I wish I hadn't learned because um, it's weird. Uh, I didn't realize that if you turn GPS off on your phone, the ad platforms still know, know where you are. I never understood why Apple created AirDrop. So if you're in a restaurant and you have GPS turned off on your phone, but AirDrop turned on, and somebody else has GPS on their phone, they'll track your phone. They don't even know it's you. They just track that device. They know where it was. There's something called, um, called red light tracking 
where if you ever give an app access to Wi-Fi, which you have to do almost every time, when you stop at a red light, it picks up any Wi-Fi signals around you. And if they know where any of those Wi-Fi signals are, they know where your phone is. It's kind of troubling, right? So this is, again, back to you can smash it with a hammer if you want. But if, the, if your spouse or your kid has a phone, you're still in. They know where you're at. So they are always maintaining your location. Location is king, right? They're also tracking how you get places. One of the things that spurred this was we were sitting at, um, at coffee, and I said, man, do you know how Snapchat makes money? And Pastor Brent said, yes, but tell me anyways. And, and so I said, well, what they do is they're tracking every phone that has Snapchat turned on, and people are doing it on purpose, right? Like Snap Map was what I learned, Snap Map. It's a fun word. Um, so you can see where all your friends are all the time. But the other thing they're doing is they're collecting all the photos, right? If you're going to send a snap, you got to take a picture. Snap. My daughter's like, I just, we take a picture of the ceiling sometimes or just the room that we're in. And that's when I saw in the investor report that what Snapchat's doing is 3D modeling rooms. So by the content of the picture, and I was like, does Snapchat know what all my ceilings look like? And I went through my daughter's pictures. I was like, oh, yeah, Snap. They know what kind of appliances I have. That's a tough one, right? We bought the house. The appliances were in the house. How would they know what kind of dishwasher I had? And there's a picture of my daughter sitting in front of our dishwasher. Why does she need to sit in front of the dishwasher? Taking a snap and uploading it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's fascinating. And so with all of this location data of a phone, so they know where this device is all the time. They know its route to work, right? They know maybe you just ping a bunch of phones on your way and your GPS is off and your Wi-Fi is off, but your airdrop's on. And so now it just tracks the other phones. So this is kind of a herd thing we need to do here, right? If, if everybody understands how this works, everybody can kind of be informed a little bit. And so back to this being the gross part, the thing that this ad agency told us they could do is they said, who do you want to target? And I said, bankers. They said, well, who in the bank? I was a head of lending would be great. And they're like, okay, so executives. I said, executives, that would be spectacular. They said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to draw a circle around every bank in America. And we're going to record the device IDs that are in that circle more than four hours a day, every day for a week. I was like, okay. And they're like, so that's all the employees of the bank. I was like, okay, I, I, I think I get it. That makes sense. They're like, and then we're going to track where they sleep at night. And we're going to take that location, we're going to put it into Zillow, and we're going to get the value from Zillow. And then we're only going to target the people with the highest dollar value houses, probably your executives. And if they're not, who cares? We'll get all the executives. It's weird, right? A little troubling. And, you know, we're sitting in this beautiful office, you know, and it's like, oh... I see. So this is how this works. So you track every phone all the time. You know where it is. And so then you can target them even better. And the part that made me really uncomfortable is all I could think is, at the end of the day, if we do something like this, 
who really cares? It's just, you know, some bank presidents that were putting some ads in front of. And uh, they said, well, what we can do, if you'd like, is we can start a conversation in that house. Like, how are you going to start a conversation? Well, we'll put these articles in front of the executives, but we'll put these articles in front of other phones in the house and see if we can get them to ask that person if they've seen that. And who's, who's had that experience? Have you seen this? I have seen that. Is that crazy? That is crazy. And then you get an ad to solve that thing, right? They said, well, we can also track some phones to see if they're kids, if you want to leave the kids out. I'm like, at this point, who cares? So you can create this conversation using content you didn't create, locations you didn't know, and phones that you don't know who they belong to. You just have a phone ID. And so all this comes together, and, and my mind is kind of swirling, and I'm like, oh, man, I bet it would work, but I don't feel great about it, right? It kind of feels nasty. And all I could think is my product is pretty benign in the world, right? Bank software. You know, if I bet if I said it five times, half the room would fall asleep. But what if I was trying to influence middle school girls, Right? Same thing. What phones are at this place? Where do they go after? Do they go to Norco Girls Volleyball? Hmm, they do? All right, well, what if I served up some content that's super negative, makes them feel bad about themselves? It just is gross, right? So in the context of, of this this culture war, this, this thing, you know, I, I wish I had a good answer that was like, do these three things. All life is better. But, but I, don't, I don't have that. I, I don't actually think that's, that's something that exists. I think instead, we have to understand how it works. We have to know that these things are out there. And we have to educate kids on what it is. And I think as the grown-ups in the room, we have to pay attention to what the news is that we're looking at, where it's coming from. Did somebody pay to have that put in front of me? The whole Facebook thing that happened, they sold a bunch of their data, right? They got in trouble for it because around the election, they, they sold their data. The way they sold it was not okay. The way it was used was not okay. And so Facebook left with their mighty slap on the wrist to you know, become the largest company in the world that generates this data. And so now they don't sell it anymore, right? But they're still doing the same thing. They're still getting paid to put this content in front of people and push your opinion somewhere. And I think when it comes to, you know, I, I love having lunch with Pastor Brent because I say things about technology, but he pulls stuff out of the Bible that I swear wasn't in mine. And so that combination has really been interesting for me because he's got kids who are older than mine. So I'm like, well, what did you do? How did you limit screen time? But I always fail to, to look inward, right? What should I be doing different? When I see a headline, do I read the article or do I just take that headline as something cool I can tell people? 
Did you see how many kids were blank at blank when why? That's a pretty cool headline. And so taking all this in, you, ju you just have to remember that huge dollars are being paid to the people who were using their apps every day. And we're going to keep using them, right? That, you know, I feel like a little bit, my name is Jeff, and I use technology every day. I do. I have a smart home, and I have all those mics on. Every one of them hears me when I tell it to do something. My wife uses it to say, dinner time. And I'm like, yes, boom, technology for the win. Did we just tell somebody when our dinner time is and that we eat dinner at home? Yeah, we sure did. And so for me, it's just being okay with that. And I use it for my kids of like, you can't do anything wrong anymore. Everybody knows. Everybody knows all the time if you're going to do anything wrong. Snapchat might delete the snaps, but where you were is out there. You can't get rid of it. Somebody somewhere knows where you were and what you did. And that is a little bit creepy, but it's also important for kids to know. And it's important for them to understand. So as we're looking at, you know, okay, what do we do from here? And, uh, and we, we talked a lot after the, the um, chapel meeting, was I wish I had better end results, like what to do. But what we did is in the, uh, um, in, the uh, um, in your bulletin. bulletin, thank you. I was going to say brochure, but I was like, I'm not selling anything. Um, in the bulletin, you'll see there's some, there's some things that you can, uh, you can see, some, some real-life resources the two probably most important ones are the, the privacy dashboards that they required Google and Apple to put in their devices. It, it's good stuff. I, I just, take a look. And so I think number one um, for me is find yourself a good non-curated news source. The one I like is called All Sides. It just gives you all sides of the same story. Right, left, middle. Same story, three headlines. It's fascinating, because sometimes I read it and I'm like, huh, that one on this side is really interesting. That one on this side is just not that interesting. And so more importantly is it's non-curated. So nobody can pay to have a set of stories hit my eyeballs in the morning. I go and look, and it reminds me of the news, when the news was the news. And there just, was no ads. The news was not ad-supported, right? It was government-issued time on air. And that's what it reminds me of. So I really encourage you, find something that you like, that is easy for you to use, that is not going to be paid for. That doesn't allow people like me to tell you what to read. Right? And so then use these resources that you have. So there are a lot of things in the phones that actually can help now. But you've got to look at them. And that's part of the game, is they, they hide them all. They're buried in, you know, settings, privacy, privacy, you know, settings, security, security settings, dashboard. Oh, whoa, look at all these apps that can see the phones that are around me. And I gave them that permission. I'm guessing I was trying to check my bracket, and it was like, hey, you know, all we need is access to your location, contacts, and history. Okay. You going to show me my bracket? Cool. We have, we have an agreement. The other thing is, 
when you have kids or family members or anyone who's talking about a new app, try it. Sometimes you'll be really disappointed. Most of the time, I can't figure out how it works. I, I, had, to have, I had to have my 13-year-old uh, my show me how to use Snapchat. That was really disappointing. Um, she was like, and then you take a picture and you send it to somebody. I was like, okay. She's like, and then I'll send a, a picture back. And I was like, okay. And she goes, but you got to read it. I was like, okay. She's like, well, then you can't leave me open. I'm like, I mean, I can't leave you open. What does that even mean? She's like, well, you looked at my picture, but you didn't send me one back. It's like, well, so then when does this stop? And she's like, never. Isn't that great? And I uninstalled it. I'm done. But at least you, you, know, you, have to, you have to take a little bit of time to try and understand what they are and how they work. Um, I think that's what we owe ourselves. You know, so if you hate TikTok, load it up. Watch out, give yourself, it's like crack. Um, you, it's just like, oh, another video and another video. And they're really good at figuring out what, what you're interested in. I told my, my eight-year-old that we would watch a video before bed. He's like, could we do a YouTube short? And I was like, sure. And it was this crazy play in baseball. And I was like, oh, that was awesome. What's the next one? It was a crazy play in soccer. I was like, oh, man, what's the next one? And it was this guy making this crazy metal. And I was like, this is amazing. And, it, you know, next thing I know, I'm like, you were supposed to go to bed two hours ago. So check them out, though. It's, it's worthwhile to, to take a look at it. And then the last thing that I really suggest, and this has really been my greatest trick, um, is investors have the secret passcode to all this stuff. Because all of these app makers, all of these data aggregators, all of these ad platforms... They need to make money, and in order to do it, they first have to take on a bunch of investment. So they tell their investors how they make money. That's what got Facebook in trouble, was their annual report. There's a line in it. It was like, we sold $500 million worth of data. And that was where it's like, well, was that okay? But they had to tell them, they wanted to. They wanted to get more money. So if you're looking for a way to figure out how any of this works behind the scenes, instead of saying, you know, how do they make money? They know that you're going to look that up. And so they bury that. But if you come in from the investor side, why is Facebook a good investment? How do they generate revenue? Right? Revenue isn't a people word. Revenue is an investor word. And so if you search on those types of terms, you get a whole different world. You get a vastly different amount of a set of information that, that kind of gives you the, the back end view into how all this works together. And they'll trumpet it. And so the hard part is you do have to read the articles, right? You can't read the headlines. You got you to get in there, read it, see what it really says. And it's, it's difficult and it's time consuming. And at the end of the day, I don't do it every time. I yell at my kids when they don't do it every time, but they don't do it every time. But I think if, if we're looking at how we can apply Christian values to this world, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna fight a fight on their turf, we've got to at least understand where the valleys are. We gotta know where the canyons are that you don't wanna go through. We gotta understand how the terrain works.
And that's the best I can give you today. I really wish I had another slide that was like, and this is what all of us need to do, but it's not like that. The horse is out of the barn. Although I have watched my wife put a horse in the barn. It's not that hard. Why is that a saying? Um, so, you know, as Pastor Brent said, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them um, to the best of my ability. Um, I can't be more honest that I'm not an expert, but I am well-read. <laughs> okay, we got one right here. There was uh, a news item today about guy got drugged and they took his phone and they stole a whole bunch of money. So I don't use any financial apps on my phone. Would you recommend that people not do it? Ooh, so I would not recommend not doing it. So for me, I use it for everything. But I, I do make sure I've got good security in place, um, or the best you can have. You know, and there's, there's something that you've probably seen, it's two-factor. It gives you a little bit more of a chance. Having your phone lock faster is a good thing. Um, you know, having every, every protection you can put on around security, because at the end of the day, it's a convenience thing. Now, is it the right thing for everybody? I, I don't know. I have all kinds of financial apps on my phone, all kinds of them. And I use it to buy stuff. I use it because at the end of the day, I'm willing to take on the risk for the convenience. And I think that's what everybody has to balance. If you're in front of a computer or you don't have to do many transactions in a day, you know, maybe it's unimportant. But for me, I am constantly with phone, without wallet. I might be, you know, needing to move money for payroll and I'm not at home. And so for me, I'm willing to risk that for the convenience. But it is a risk. That's the, you're absolutely right. There is risk to it. I really like this concept of the virtual credit card. I don't know if anybody's seen that where um, Google Pay and Apple Pay will let you create a credit card that doesn't physically exist. And then that's what your phone uses. So that creates a, a layer of, 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 of obscurity between your phone and your actual finances. So then everything you transact on your phone goes through this virtual credit card. And then you pay it from your bank account at the end of the month. So there's kind of an air gap between the two, if that makes sense. But again, it's always a trade-off of risk and uh, uh, convenience. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell me about chat GPT? <laughs> oh, man. Pastor Brent, we got three hours. I love it. I do, but I'm a nerd. I'm a giant nerd. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to me what it can do, what they've done. It might be the end. I don't know. Um, it would be really funny if, you know, if Jesus returned through chat GPT. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I don't know where it's going. But it is fascinating. And back to the try it, I highly suggest you try it to see what it's like. Just because it's so different. I, I can't even get my head around it. But like our developers will put a problem that they're having. You know, this is causing this and this and this. Here's the block of code you should use. It's, it's so next level. Now, what are they going to do with it? They're going to sell the data. Right? That's why it's free. So everything you put in there, they're using to hone an algorithm. 
that they're going to use to eventually put advertisements in. It's, it's the story as old as time. And it's just really good at it. All right, over here, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, NordVPN, you aware of it? Mm-hmm. Do you see any value in that? Does it really provide you any security over and above not having it? Yeah, VPNs are great. Um, so uh, we use uh, Google Fi, which is a phone service through Google that comes with a VPN built in. Um, I think it's a great idea. So what a VPN does is it makes it hard to figure out where you are by your IP address, the address of the phone. It's not going to save you from anything else. But it is going to make that harder and keep your communication secure. So nobody's going to jump in the middle. It's called a man-in-the-middle attack. So it protects you from a few things, but it won't stop the advertisers. They're on either end of the VPN. So Hide your in, location? In some ways it will, but it won't help you at all with, um, with peer-to-peer stuff. So if your phone is talking to other phones around it, I've had an experience with saying things and having things appear on my phone. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and you can stay right here. I've got 12 more questions. <laughs> so I was sitting behind him. That's my favorite sweatshirt of all time, first of all. Um, but uh, the concept that they're listening, right? So. Um, Pastor Jeff put it best when he said he has a roommate named Alexa. Is she listening to everything he says? And I said, of course. If you have a roommate, they're listening to everything you say. And if it triggers when you say a certain set of words, the only way it can know you said those words is if it's listening to everything you say. Right? Now, is that information going into advertising? I don't know. Nobody's admitting it. It sure feels like it. But they're, they are recording everything. And I don't, for a fun side of thing, if you have an Alexa or a Google Home or a, um, an Apple AirPod or Apple HomePod, um, if you, you can go and hear what it's recorded. You can actually see it. It's terrible to listen to because you don't realize how many times you interact with it angrily. And uh, so what I would say is, yes, it's recording everything you say. Absolutely. Are they using it for ads? Probably. I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody's admitting to it. But I do think that every time you think it heard what you said, the odds of somebody around you searching for something or sending a text message, because they're reading those too, sending an email, anything, the odds of that happening are much more likely than they took your voice recorded information and processed it that quickly. It's just harder, and I don't think they have to. And I think that's how they're getting around it. Um, like I said, I have a dozen, but he's graciously giving me one more. <laughs> Signal, Telegram, are they secure? They're free. Yeah, so... And I'm thinking in, and I'm thinking in the um, closed country context of someone who may be a believer. Yeah, that's a tricky thing. So uh, there are some that are grant-sponsored. So there are a few that are grant-sponsored, but I don't think completely. I think if you were to dig in, you'd find some revenue source somewhere, and I would guess it's still those folks, there's some value in who they are, right? There are probably some churches, right, that are paying for information about the constituents that live around them. 
right? And where that data comes from, a lot of times you don't know. So I don't know for sure, um, but it feels to me like there's probably something because they're big enough that, you know, just as a business owner, you start doing the math. It's like, you, so you've got 7,000 employees. I mean, that's a big grant. <laughs> it's possible, but I, I think it's unlikely. All right, Jeff, we got time for one more question right back here because we're bumping up to 8 o'clock. Actually, two. What's your favorite color? And number two, number one, number two is, what is your opinion of using tracker blockers like a traffic light in your browser to help squelch this tracking stuff? So I'm going to spend the next three minutes talking about the color blue. Um, <laughs> now, um, I think I think traffic blockers are good, right? But they're only browser, so they're not going to stop anything app oriented. Um, they'll do a really nice job of keeping everything from popping out. And so everything still gets written locally but doesn't make its way out. So I think it, it serves a purpose. And if you're primarily using a browser, it could be really good. But I think if you're using any apps, you've really opened that side window. And the second thing is, the, since the phone made manufacturers have become the ad platforms, they don't have to adhere to any of this stuff, right? You don't have to give Apple permission to use your Wi-Fi, right? You get the phone, and it's, it's all part of their operating system, and it's why they keep adding more things to the operating system, because it skirts permission and privacy, because they, are, they have it all. And then they don't sell it, so you know, as far as all the regulations, that's all good, too. I was really scared of your questions. The things you were saying were very next level, and I'm very beginner level. All right, Brent, they did great. Can, a, can you guys thank Jeff around. with me? Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So good. So good. Aren't you glad I didn't try to present any of that to you? It, it would have been awful. But I think this is so helpful, again, just to kind of be informed a little bit about how do some of these things work, you know? You know what the oldest profession in the world is? It's advertising. See this apple? You want this apple. You need this apple. Just one soul. That's advertising. It's the oldest profession in the world. And our, my goal is that we would be astute, discerning, critical thinkers as we're engaging with things. This is an artifact of modernity. That's what it is. And we need to be critical even about how we're using things like that, right? You know, the one thing I would just say, um, I remember a couple times we had conversations, and I've left the conversation like this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, it feels hopeless. Let me, let me give just a couple thoughts as far as what you can do, how you can respond. One is have a conversation with the people in your house about this. Just talking about it of like, what do you do? Um, try, take some steps to be self-aware of how you are engaging. Um, you can look on your phone and see how much screen time you have. You know, as uh, Jeff, you're mentioning your son, right? I've, I've, I've spent this many gigs or whatever it is on it. But here's, here's kind of a final thing. This is, I think, the most important. Try a technology Sabbath. Start real small. Take half a day once a week. Just half a day. You know, for at, at noon or at five, whatever. And do a technology Sabbath where you're not engaging in any technology. Just give it a try. A couple things will happen. Number one, you'll be shocked at how addicted you are to it because it'll be so hard. 
Um, it'll also start to reveal, this is what I've discovered about Sabbath, is it, it reveals to me the things that my mind naturally goes to. You know, I remember my son, he was challenged in Timberline Student Ministries a couple years ago to take whatever, I don't know, it was one of those apps, the Snap or something, and move it from your home screen to like the fifth screen over there. And my son told me later for a whole week, he said, you know, move it over there um, and, and do a Sabbath where you're going to Sabbath from that one app. And he said, Dad, I can't tell you how many times without thinking, turned it on and I went to click it and it wasn't there. And it, it it made me realize, oh my goodness, I am like addicted to this thing. I'm using it so much. So even if it's something like that, if it's an app on your phone, move it to a different page. <laughs> it'll, it'll give you a one half second to go, oh yeah, I shouldn't look at that. I shouldn't open that up. So try the technology Sabbath. That would kind of be my challenge to you. Hey, let's stand and I want to um, pray for us as we go. Heavenly Father, would you please send us out, God, as we, as we go back into our, our cultures, our worlds, the environments, Lord, that you have given us some influence within. Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to be really thoughtful in everything that we do, every tool that we use. Uh, God, would you even this week, by the power of your Spirit, kind of remind us Show us some areas that, that we're maybe thoughtlessly uh, just stepping into. But we want to be intentional people in everything that we do. God, we love you so much. Go with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Um, oh, quick note. Next week, Holy Week. So Good Friday instead of Wednesday night. So we have no Wednesday night, but I would invite you to come to Good Friday in the main auditorium Friday, 630. Okay? All right. See you guys. Have a great week.